I am a liar. Yeah, I am a fucking liar. I lie all the time. I lie about everything. I lie to everyone. If we've ever had a full conversation, I have probably lied to you. And most importantly, I lie to myself. (sighs) Okay, I just had to get that out. Hello and welcome to Right Where You Are, wherever and whenever that may be. Thank you for joining me on this podcast that takes place right where I am, wherever and whenever. Today's episode takes place indoors. I'm just chilling in the house. I really wanted to go outside. I wanted to chill at a cafe and look cute to record this episode, but it's raining. So we're just chilling indoors. And this episode is about the fact that I'm a liar. It's on my philosophies around lying. And I just wanted to come out and be honest about the fact that I'm a liar. I thought, you know, I should let you know very early in this relationship, episode three, just come out and be honest and let you know that I'm a liar. (laughs) That's a bit ironic because if someone tells you that they are being honest about being a liar, do you believe them? (laughs) That reminds me of the song YMF by Absol. But anyway... This episode is a bit of a continuation of our previous episode, which was on shame, because I believe that lying is a form of shrinking and hiding and manipulating the truth in order to be more acceptable in some ways, or, yeah, just manipulating reality. And before I go into my philosophies about lying and why I think that people lie and before I share my reasons that I lie I think I just want to share how strange it is to know that you are a liar especially in the beginning when I was realizing the fact that I'm a liar it was such a strange discovery it's such a strange thing to realize about yourself because I I really get knowing that I'm a liar and I lie to other people that part realizing and seeing that in myself was a bit of a shocker but like noticing how much I lie to myself that was a very big thing that was very strange because I was seeing that my reality in my own little mind is not I don't know how to put this into words, but not all of it is is true, basically. That everything that I say I stand for or everything I say I believe, that it's none of it is based in truth. And then at the end of the day, what even is truth? It was a strange thing to see in myself, but this all was happening at a time when a lot of shifts were taking place in my consciousness and I could just see through a lot of bullshit, basically. And before I could see through other people's bullshit, I was becoming more sensitive to my own bullshit and just seeing a lot in myself. So, like, even now, it's it's not as prominent now as it was at the time when these shifts were taking place in my consciousness, but I'm still able to pick up on the tiniest behaviors and mannerisms 
Like I can pick up when someone is being passive aggressive. I can pick up when someone is jealous. I can pick up when someone is desirous and just like the smallest things. And this involves lies. I can pick up when people are lying. And I think all of this happens because I can pick these things up in myself. It all started with myself. I remember the first time when I realized, oh, the first time it was like a big, okay, whoa, this is what's happening in my mind right now. I was chilling with some people and there there were some things that I knew I didn't want to ever share with people. I think we all have like those big secrets that were like, nobody, nobody will ever, ever, ever know about this thing. And some other things were happening as we're all together. But there were a few things that I had done that I, I didn't want to admit. Like even now, I'm, I'm such a liar and I'm so ashamed of them that I won't admit them on here. But there was a specific thing I had done. And I had spoken to the, the person most affected by this thing. And we were talking on the phone. And I was with someone else in the room. And as I'm telling this lie, the phone call ends. And I'm kind of denying the thing that I've done. The phone call ends. And then I think naturally what would have happened before is that I would have just covered up that lie within myself. Because I, I think that's what lies are a lot of the time. That you have to cover up a lie with another lie. And so I would have lied to myself and just masked it, masked it and then it's gone. But I wasn't able to do that. Instead, I was just so aware of the truth. And so instead of masking this thing, it's like, okay, I, I did this thing. I actually did this big, bad, terrible thing to a beloved friend. It wasn't that terrible, but <laughs> I did this thing and I also lied to them about not having done the thing. And from there, it was just a ripple effect where every time I tell a lie to someone, I was just so aware of the fact that I was lying. And there were times when I'm like, oh, okay, let me tell this story. And then I could hold myself back and be like, mm, we both know that's not true. I'm just going to keep quiet or now like my mom, I think she's always known that, well, I used to smoke weed and she always knew and it was pretty obvious, but I'd lie about it. I'd be like, no, I have a headache. That's why my eyes are red or whatever the fuck. And now it was a thing of always having to come up with more lies to hide this one truth and it felt so freeing the day that I told her you know what I smoke weed this is this is what's up I smoke weed and this is the story this is the thing but it didn't even feel good because I remember she would she would be in my room if I wasn't there with her I feel so anxious because I'm like oh she's gonna find my weed and then once I told her it was like she knows she can be mad she can be disappointed but she knows you know and then when I stopped smoking weed that okay that that's a whole nother story but anyway I 
I noticed how much of a lie I am and how much I lie in general. And I think I have many, many, many reasons for lying. But as the good, air quotes, good human and ethical human that I am, I decided that I wanted to change this and I wanted to live a life of truth because I was aware of how uncomfortable lying was and how much it eats at my humanity to lie and then how uncomfortable it is to have to cover up a lie with another lie and another lie and then hide this and whatever. And so, yeah, it was just, it was a decision I made and I decided, okay, no, I I don't want to do this anymore. And I'm going to find ways to do this less. I'm going to find, I'm going to practice, basically. I'm going to, in conversation with people, I'm going to think three times about the thing I'm about to say when I'm asked certain questions, when I'm asked about uncomfortable things, I'm going to see if this is actually true for me or not before I say a thing. So in order to stop lying, first I had to figure out the causes. I had to figure out why it is I lie so much in the first place. And this is where it gets a bit deep because it made me realize how messy I am as a human. I'm a really messy human, but then that made me see how messy all of humanity is because it's the thing of how no man is an island. So seeing how messy I am made me see that my mess comes from the world outside of me and the culture that I live in. And I realized that we all lie. We all lie to one another and we all lie to ourselves. And we have a general culture of dishonesty. I was having a conversation the other day with someone at the gym. I actually had two conversations, same gym, with two different people. Literally, like the one conversation not right the day after but the one conversation I was talking to this guy about marketing he told me that he that's that's his work that he does marketing and I was interested I was fascinated because I study marketing and I love marketing so I asked him to tell me more about it and then he basically just told me about how marketing is basically deception And I kind of had a bit of, you know, back and forth with him, trying to let him know that I'm very into marketing, but that's not my philosophy in terms of marketing. He was telling me about how it takes a lot of skelem, basically, in order to be able to sell people products. The example he made, I was holding a water bottle and he took this water bottle from my hand and... He said that one tactic that he uses is if he's selling a physical product that he'll he'll make his proposal to a person, you know, he'll make his offer, let this person know about the product, but he won't give them the time to think, you know, so he'll make his proposal and then just as they start thinking or about to respond, then he'll bring up something else about the product, you know, mention another thing. And then, again, just before they 
are about to respond or to think about it, he'll bring up another thing and then another thing and then another thing, not giving them the space and time to think of the thing for themselves. And that's basically lying. That's manipulating someone's reality and invading their sovereignty and their own ability to make a decision for themselves. And so basically that's what he was saying to me, that the main thing in marketing is lying. Literally the day after I had a conversation with another guy and I was telling him, we were talking about what it is that I want to do. And because I'm so interested in marketing and I have all these philosophies about marketing that aren't really taught in school. And I'd really love to teach people these things once, you know, I've developed these ideas a lot better. And I'd like to present these to people and teach people these things. And so I'm telling him about that. And then he says it's impossible, basically. He says it's impossible to lie. No, it's impossible to market without lying. It's impossible to market without a skelem. And that just helped me see that we generally live in a culture of lies. That a lot of our reality and a lot of our relationships with one another as humans and all of humanity is a culture of dishonesty. And like I said, I believe that there are many, many, many reasons that we all lie. And I think, let me start by sharing my own little personal reasons for lying. Firstly, the one big thing that I can think of is the fact that I have an overprotective dad and he's also not so open-minded and he's also very reactive. And so a lot of the time I had to be hypervigilant and only share some parts of the truth with him or maybe completely just not share the truth with him. And a lot of the time it was to avoid getting into trouble or to to find ways to be worthy in his eyes, uh, that kind of thing, to not get into trouble. And this goes back to the conversation of shame because lying is an agent of shame because if I'm lying in that instance, trying to not get into trouble, I'm like, oh, no, it wasn't me. I didn't do this thing. Or, you know, I didn't mean to do this thing, knowing very well that I did mean to. That avoiding getting into trouble is avoiding being shamed for the thing. It's avoiding being cast out from this thing. And I think in in a little child's mind, avoiding getting into trouble is a survival mechanism because a part of the mind or the body believes that Getting into trouble can literally mean death for me because this is the person who is responsible for my well-being. This is the person who's responsible for my food and shelter. And I also just want to be accepted and loved by this person. And so I avoid getting into trouble by any means necessary and even if it means manipulating the truth and manipulating reality in order to stay safe in this little community or households in this case and thinking about it I know that there are many other places where I learned shame and I learned to lie 
as a child and growing up and in generally in my development. But then I also think of school, that school is a child's second home. And I think we live in a society of authority also, a society that teaches children that they aren't whole sovereign beings and that there's always an authority that's above them. And this is something that's really, like it's very evident in schools. And in a school, the teacher is the authority. The teacher is the person who makes all the rules and like they they have the say you know unless you went to a montessori school and that's different but the the teacher is the main person here they are the president or the god of the classroom and for the simple fact that like you have to ask this person to go to the bathroom and they could say no and so even in such places like school we learn to lie. I remember in school feeling like I needed to lie to the teacher in order to go to the bathroom sometimes because the teacher could say no, you know? Like, this is my body. I genuinely need to pee. Why do I need to ask someone to go release myself? <laughs> and this person could deny me that bodily right and I remember feeling like I have to lie to this person in order to be able to meet this need of mine. But also generally because, you know how it's easier to say to a teacher, oh, ma'am, I'm so sorry, the dog ate my homework, or, <laughs> or oh, I lost my book in the bus, or something like that. It's a lot easier to say that than it is to say, I'm generally uninterested and honestly didn't want to do the homework and I honestly honestly experienced a bit of resentment for having to sit here all day when I just want to play outside and having to listen to your commands that could be the reason I didn't do the homework but I can't say that and so I lie <laughs> I lie I remember as a kid also lying to my friends and friends are different because I've mentioned how easy it is to lie to people we believe are above us or have authority over us. But friends are people you are rather equal with, you know. And I remember lying. Oh, I used to tell big lies in primary school. I, I remember, you know, they, I was that kid telling people that I might be related to Jay-Z because my cousin's uncle's dog's neighbor. <laughs> Things like that. I... I told such lies and I actually only remembered this while writing like the ideas for this episode <laughs> that and seeing that was like oh damn I am a liar I am such a big I knew I was a liar but it was when writing all of this down and I thought way 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 back to my childhood and I remembered the lies that I used to tell my friends in primary school and then I realized that lying is also a thing of being socially acceptable. That I used to lie because I want to belong and I want to be accepted. That I... Okay, hold on. I need a sip of water. 
Yeah. That I would lie because I I believed that my truth as it is isn't enough. This again goes back to the conversation of shame because I was trying to impress people, but I didn't believe that I as I am can impress them. I didn't believe that I was enough and that is what shame is that you are not enough as you are. That's what shame says. So that's where I kind of picked it up that I need to create stories that I need to forge a certain reality in order to belong, in order to be accepted, in order to be liked, in order to have friends. But in the case of the people in authority, then I'd also lie because I was so afraid of disappointing people and angering people. And I think seeing that I'm not the only person who lies, it's because I realized that I cannot be the only person who lies for these reasons, especially the thing of, of shame and being afraid to disappoint people and being afraid to anger people. Because I think generally we live in a culture where big emotions aren't really tolerated. You know how when you're angry and people will be like, oh, no, don't be angry. It makes you look like this and that and that. Or don't be sad, just man up, be strong, you know. And I think one of the very big emotions that we we hardly ever talk about or deal with is disappointment. That a lot of us don't want to disappoint anyone or we also just can't handle to be disappointed. I think many people believe that disappointment is a sign of a bad relationship, air quotes, bad. That this relationship is toxic and this relationship shouldn't exist because it's disappointing in whatever way. But I honestly believe that disappointment works in tandem with relationshiping. It works in tandem with love. Because honestly, no single person can ever give you everything that you want and meet all your needs. And so you're going to have to be disappointed. You're going to have to sit with disappointment. If you love that person enough, then you have to decide, okay, I, sorry, wait, hold on. I'm going to backtrack a bit and I'm going to erase the words love that person enough. I think you are allowed to love people and still decide that you don't want connection and intimacy with them. What I am going to say is if someone disappoints you and for you, you still know that you want to be in a relation with this person, you still want to be in intimacy with this person, then all there is to do is for you to sit with that disappointment, to sit with the bigness of that emotion and know that that's not on them. That's not their responsibility. You know when Willow said, how you feel is not my problem. <laughs> yeah, that the way you feel can never, ever, ever be someone else's problem. And so it's not their problem that you're disappointed, especially when the thing that disappoints you about them is them just being themselves. And yeah, so we we lie because we're afraid to disappoint people. And 
we lie because we don't want to be disappointed. What I mean by that is like if I'm meeting up with someone and we've decided on a certain time and the time is approaching and then they give me a call and they're like, where are you? And I'm like, I'm, I'm just around the corner. I'm like five minutes away and I haven't even left the house. I lie because I'm afraid of how they'll feel if I tell them the truth. I'm afraid that they'll be disappointed by the fact that they might have to wait for me a bit longer. I'm afraid of just disappointing them generally. But I think we are also afraid of being disappointed. I know for me, where this comes up is when I don't bring things up with people, when there's something about someone that bothers me and I don't bring it up. That's basically me lying because sure, sometimes we lie by saying a certain thing, but it's also a lie if you don't say the thing that is true for you. That's a lie. It's in the things we say, but it's also in the things we don't say. And in this case, I'm lying because firstly, I'm afraid that if I bring this thing up, if I'm like, mm, I'm not so happy that you do this thing or you said this thing the other time, I'm firstly afraid of disappointing them because I'm afraid that what I'm saying to this person is, I don't love you as you are. That I need you to be a bit more. I'm afraid that they'll be disappointed by me saying that. But also, I'm afraid that after saying this thing, they might say something like, but this is who I am. And then I'm disappointed. So, like, I think that's that's an even bigger lie. I think not saying the things that are in your mind and the things that are true for you, not bringing things up, is double lying. You know, I think it's a lie when you say something that's false, but it's a double lie when you don't say the truth, when you don't speak the truth. Yeah, that's that's lying. But it's also, it's not only in in the things we say and the things we don't say. I also believe that it's in our actions or sometimes even in our inaction. I think maybe when, for example, when someone is coming towards me for a hug and I don't really want to hug them, but I hug them anyway, that's a lie. That is not true for my reality. For me, in my experience, I don't want to hug them, but I do the thing anyway. That's not true, and so I've lied. And that's both, I think, action and inaction because I've done a thing, but I've also not done a thing. But yeah, I, you get what I'm saying. <laughs> it's it's a lie. It's a lie. I think in our culture, we have this fear of disappointment and that's very connected also to the fear of uncertainty. We have a very big intolerance of uncertainty because I know many times I've been asked a question maybe and I wasn't certain and I didn't know the answer, but it felt like I might be a bad person for not knowing. And so I'll give them, you know, a forged answer than to tell them the truth. Or like in the example I made of letting someone know that oh, I'm five minutes away when I'm not sure how far I am because maybe I don't know the place. It's easier to lie 
than to share that you are uncertain. It's easier to come up with something than to simply say, I don't know. And this is very connected to the thing of disappointment. But I also think that this culture of intolerance of uncertainty is also very connected to our culture of not being present, not being present in our bodies. Because I honestly believe that in order to be present, in order to live in the moment and be in your body, it takes a very big acceptance of uncertainty. Because that is what the present moment is. It's being right here, right now, and not knowing at all where you might go literally in the next second. None of us know what's going to happen in the next second. And so I think sometimes lying happens because of that, because like in conversation, conversation is such an art because you have no idea what the person will say in the next moment. You don't know how they will respond to a thing that you've said. And so in order to be in conversation with someone, you need to be present with them so much so that you are able to to express what comes up for you in that moment as it comes up. This goes back to the quote that I mentioned in episode one by Miriam Hasna. The quote that says that being present and being authentic. No, no, no. It says that being authentic and being your true self is basically i'm butchering the quote now but it's basically being in such a deep state of surrendered presence that the energy needed to flow through you in that now moment flows through you as you so you have no idea what's going to happen in the next second or the next minute but you are present enough and you are okay with the uncertainty that the energy that needs to flow through you, it does flow through you and it goes and it whoosh and it just, that that's basically being, that's what being in conversation, being in a relation with other people is because you don't know what is going to happen. But because we don't tolerate the uncertainty of being present, what one would need to do then is basically be prepared, almost. It's, I think, I do it a lot, that I have a lot of stories that are pretty much ready in my head. That, like, I'm ready to to grab this one from the cabinet and use it immediately. I know for me this comes up a lot in criticism when somebody gives me any form of critique, 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 that, (laughs) that whenever someone criticizes me in any way, that I'm always so ready to defend myself and, you know, justify and rationalize whatever it is that they're criticizing That's one thing for me. But I think generally many of us have these defense mechanisms. And sometimes defense isn't like only when someone says or does something negative to you. It's general when 
people i hear it a lot when someone isn't telling the truth exactly but they've heard something somewhere and they just repeat it or they've kept a certain story about themselves and then they just continue that story and that just lives in them and with them that sometimes it's literally a story that lives in the nervous system and almost a a defense mechanism and um a, a survival and not coping but a a living mechanism it's a is the way to preserve the ego and to continue being this person that you say that you are that you just repeat certain things that in this case and someone says a thing like this then I'll say a thing like this that when someone asks this then this will be my answer to this thing you know things like that and I think as much as that is the work of the nervous system and the body of keeping things so that we can remember these things and know how to react again in such a conversation or such a situation, I also think that this is the work of the ego. But, okay, let me let me just stop right here real quick and kind of go a bit into Jungian psychology for the people who don't know. And I just want to explain a few things from Carl Jung's model of the psyche. Because I brought up the ego, but I also think it's necessary that I bring up other parts of his model of the psyche. So basically, Carl Jung's model of the psyche consists of the conscious mind and the unconscious mind, like everything in psychoanalysis, right? That there are things that we know and things that we don't know, and even in ourselves. So the center, I think if you're a visual person and you don't really know about Carl Jung's model of the psyche, just Google search, because I'm a visual person and I'm picturing it in my head right now. Just like do a quick Google search of Carl Jung's model of the psyche, exactly as I'm saying it, and you'll see the picture but here's the explanation that basically we are a self and this is the thing that we are at our core. You are this person, this whole person. If you want to know a bit more about the self, I spoke about this in episode one. Check that out if you haven't already. But you are a whole self. And then there's the conscious part of you and in the conscious mind, in the things that you do know, the conscious mind consists of the ego and the ego is basically the story that we tell ourselves about ourselves it's the narrative running through my mind about the person that i am it's who i think i am and who i believe myself to be and then from the ego comes the persona that's also in the conscious mind because the persona is basically the mask or masks that we wear in different settings so i think different people have different masks for different social matrices and the persona is basically what you show of yourself so you have the thing that you believe that you are but then you express that in different ways to different people so i know some people have like the persona for the workplace they have the persona 
for this friend group and then a persona for that friend group and then a persona for the family, right? So that's the conscious mind. But then there's the unconscious mind and there's quite a lot here, but the one thing that I do want to bring up from the unconscious mind is the shadow. The shadow is basically the dark closet in our psyche where we stuff away all the parts of ourselves that we are either unable or unwilling to integrate with the self in that moment. So it's all the parts of ourselves that we don't want to know of or we are unable to know of. And I bring this up, especially the shadow, because I believe that relegating things to the shadow is basically a process of lying because you have to deny the thing. You have to deny its existence and say, no, that's not true. This thing, I'm not like that or I don't do that. You have to deny the thing in order for it to be relegated into the shadow. And that might sound like a terrible thing. I don't necessarily think that it's a bad thing. I think that there are many valid reasons that we do relegate things and repress things and put them away into the shadow. One of the reasons is shame. That sometimes we're so ashamed of something that is true for us and we kind of want to hide the thing in order to remain acceptable, in order to belong within society, that we feel that we need to lie about this thing to other people and to ourselves, and so we put it away into the shadow so that we can remain in the safety of community, so that we can belong and be accepted. The other reason that shadow repression happens is because of ego preservation. So if there's something that you believe to be true about yourself and it's part of the story of yourself that you tell yourself about yourself, then you are likely to kind of deny every other thing that goes against what you believe yourself to be. So, for example, I know something I used to do is I used to identify as like this very kind and chilled and laid back person that I don't have a single aggressive bone in my body, that I'm just so chill and calm and down to earth and all of that. And so that means that I was over identifying with this one end of the polarity which means that I was denying everything on the other end of the polarity. So every part of me that is aggressive in any way, I would deny it. That if I'd have an aggressive thought, maybe, if someone angered me and the first thought to come to my mind was, oh, I wish I could punch this person, I would immediately deny that thought. And so immediately in denying it, it's pushed into the shadow, gone, bye-bye. Oh, well, maybe not by eye forever, <laughs> but it's, it's not a part of my consciousness anymore. So I think, oh, yeah, also I do want to mention how this is a terrible thing to happen because when you are repressing things in order to 
in order to preserve your ego, I think the person who named it ego preservation used those words specifically with Sigmund Freud. But when you are lying to yourself or other people about a certain thing to preserve your ego, like in this instance, this example that I've given, I think sometimes we repress parts of ourselves that are necessary. I think, like I've said, it's a polarity and sometimes you choose to identify with the one end of the polarity so much so that you deny the other end of the polarity. But I know for me, with that very specific example, there are many other examples I can give, but with that specific example, something that I ended up doing because I was lying to myself, and oh no, I'm not aggressive in any way, is that I wouldn't allow my aggression to show up even when it needed to. So I wouldn't stand up for myself when I needed to be standing up for myself. When someone would be pushing me around, I would allow it. I would allow people to overstep my boundaries. So this happens in many ways when we have a certain ego identification and this story that we tell ourselves about ourselves and we repress the other thing, the other part of ourselves that is true. And we're like, no, that could, me, I could never, you know? And this, a lot of the time, causes trouble because what you're doing to these parts of yourself that you're putting away into the shadow is that they become sovereign beings, basically. They become their own little individuals with their own needs and wants, and they start to act that way. They start to act against your will basically but it's it's strange because that is still your will in a way but it's your will that you aren't conscious of but yeah i'm i'm losing my train of thought here let's go back to the reasons that we repress things in the first place so yeah it's ego preservation we lie to ourselves because we're preserving our egos we lie to ourselves because of shame we lie to ourselves i think ego preservation is very linked to worldview preservation that if you have a certain worldview then you are going to defend it with your whole fucking life and when someone says something or even when a part of you shows up that goes against that worldview then you're going to deny it and then I think another reason we repress things and stuff them away into the shadow is because of trauma that when really what trauma is is that there was a certain thing that you experienced at a certain time and you weren't able to process the whole thing and so because not all of it was processed the parts that aren't processed are likely to go into the shadow it's like if you are in a really terrible car accident and in that moment, you go into freeze mode and you just freeze and you kind of have to dissociate and not be present in that moment. The thing is, it's still happening. You are still in that moment and your body and your senses are still receiving all of these things that are happening. But what's happening in the psyche is that it's immediately going into the shadow. 
it's immediately being put away into the shadow. So trauma is a reason that we repress things. Unmet needs, I think, very connected to trauma because really an unmet need is the same way that in that example that the thing that needs to happen, the thing that wants to happen is that this experience and all these emotions would like to be processed, but that need is not being met by those emotions. So like if you cry as a little child and someone tells you, no, be a big boy, be strong, don't cry, the need to express that emotion and to feel that emotion and maybe there's even a further need. Let's say you're crying because you feel, I don't know, I can't, I should have thought of an example earlier, but you're crying because someone isn't listening to you as you're speaking and, or you fell. I think, yeah, let's go with that example. That's the most simple example. You fell. And right now what you need is someone to tend to you and to feel empathy for you. That's a need you have, but you're not getting that need met. And so the part of you that needs that thing but is being told to be a big boy and don't cry, that part's going to immediately be repressed into the shadow. It's going to hide. And now every time that similar situation comes up, that thing is going to remain in the shadow and remain hidden. It's going to not ever really want to come out of that closet. And for this reason, I think that shadow repression and this lying to ourselves in our minds, I don't think it's a one-and-done deal. I think repression happens over and over and over again. That it's not that this thing that is in my psyche in my shadow it's simply just it's repressed once and I'm like okay bye I think in order for it to remain in the shadow I have to constantly lie to myself about this thing especially let's say if it's an ego thing where I'm preserving something that I believe myself to be every time the other part of me that goes against this ego story every time that comes up i'm going to push that away immediately in whatever way i'm either going to rationalize and create reasons for why this thing is not true and i'm going to justify or i'm going to completely deny or sometimes i think it shows up as projection that this part of me is true it is there but because i'm unconscious of it i'm going to believe that oh no the whole world is like this and it's not me or this other person is like this and sometimes it shows up as exaggeration where I'm like I I basically make the truth a lot bigger than it is and I make it this big deal where it's not or I minimize or compartmentalize where there is the whole truth but I'll make it seem like it's not a big deal or I'll compartmentalize and I'll speak of some parts of the truth and not other parts of the truth. And all of this is lying at the end of the day. It's all lying, sure, to other people, but worse when we are lying to ourselves and pushing these things away into the shadow. I think this is where triggers come up because triggers are basically things that that stir up a strong emotional reaction in you 
And a lot of the time, triggers tell us a lot about the truths that we're not willing to accept or the truths that we aren't able to accept. So if I have a certain ego identification and something happens in my reality or someone says something that goes against this thing and tries to bring this thing up for me that you know, is in my unconscious mind and they try to make me conscious of it, I'm going to repress that. So it's basically a a game of constantly lying to ourselves. And that sounds really terrible, but I promise you it's not. I believe it's a protective mechanism more than anything. It's shadows are needed. Shadows are very, very necessary. We need to be able to I think I think <laughs> the one thing that I hear about a lot is when people talk about ego death and then I have noticed again now that there are a lot of people who are like oh no but the ego is necessary you know you can't kill the e- ego don't kill the ego and that's amazing but I think the part of this that I do want to say is that love the shadow the shadow is very necessary. It's very great that it's there because there are many things that we kind of don't need to remember. I think I used to think about this and wonder how it would be if I remembered every single thing that I have experienced from my time on planet Earth for as long as I've been in my body. And I think that would be... an a memory overload of sorts you know so we kind of need to repress some things and it also just it makes the game boring <laughs> it makes the game of being human boring and so we do need shadows generally but it is at the same time in our best interest to look into our shadows and to try to not lie to ourselves to try to be more honest with ourselves to try to figure out what it is that we lie about. Like I brought up triggers. I think it is in our best interest to look at our triggers and figure out why is it that this thing makes me feel such strong emotions? What is it that I'm not willing to accept about myself in this situation? You know... One of the benefits of telling the truth and just being honest with ourselves, I think it was Mark Twain who said that telling the truth means that you don't have to remember what you said. I think that's amazing because you aren't relying on a defense mechanism. You aren't relying on the ego and on on ego narratives in order to be in connection with other people that you don't have to tell the same story again when someone asks you this question but it's not the same this time you know you're a different person now or Okay, I think I'm I'm losing it again. Let's go back on track. <laughs> the point of this is to say that we all lie. We all lie to each other and we all lie to ourselves. And I think we have very, very big collective illusions. And we have, you know, we have tons of things trapped in the collective unconscious. This is another term from 
Carl Jung's model of the psyche, the collective unconscious, which is basically everything as a society right now that is in our big shadow. Because if you think about it as we all have one big consciousness, and so then we must all have one big unconsciousness, all the things that we aren't willing to accept, all the things that are in our big humanity shadow. And I think there's a lot there. There's a lot there. And sure, it's not always bad, but it's it's clearly necessary to work on those things. And it takes a lot of work. I think maybe the point isn't to not be a lie at all. I think for me, having seen my lying tendencies, and at some point I used to shame my own lying tendencies. I want to let you know that that's not what I'm doing here. I'm not shaming lying. Like I've said, I've brought up all the reasons why I think it's necessary and why we do it in the first place, especially why we lie to ourselves. But one thing is that when I realized that I I can't completely remove this thing. That I can't completely not be a liar. Or at least I'm working on it. I really am. But right now it's very difficult. And I, I can tell when I lie, what happens when I lie. And I'm doing a lot of work, shadow work, as people who are into Jung would call it. And doing a lot of introspection, really. But I'm also learning to be an honest liar, basically. That sounds sounds a bit ironic or like like an oxymoron. But I'm learning to be an honest liar. Like right now, I'm being honest about the fact that I lie. I lie a lot. <laughs> but I'm also just being honest about the fact that I, I I lie and sometimes I'm aware of the reasons that I lie. Sometimes I lie and I decide, okay, I'm going to stick with this lie, especially with strangers, with people I don't know. I'm like, okay, I'm going to stick with this lie. Sometimes it's just a thing of I'm not sure I really want to be explaining this whole truth right now. I'm going to tell some parts of it. And so I lie. I think that's that's what I am. That's what I should have said. That I'm not a liar. I'm an honest liar. <laughs> I'm an honest liar. And that really just comes from my efforts to work on this thing. And like I've said, it takes a lot. It takes a lot. And that's it from me for today. In the next episode, we're going to go in a bit deeper with the conversation of the collective unconscious and the shadow as a whole and everything about ourselves that we kind of refuse to integrate with ourselves. But yeah, until then, I'll meet you right where you are, wherever that may be, sending you lots of love. And lots of honesty. <laughs> lots and lots and lots of honesty. That's it from me. Signing out.